Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Amen. Welcome to church. I am looking forward to being with you over these next few minutes. And I want you to get your Bibles out and get your notes out and get ready to dig in because it is time. Get your Bibles open up to the book of Mark, chapter number nine. Mark is the second, uh, third book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. No, it's the second. I don't even know the order of them, but it's the second book in the New Testament. Mark, chapter nine, verse 14. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. And uh, while you're getting that, hold that, because I'm going to have us read through a passage of Scripture there in just a moment. Uh, any of you guys just ever have crazy dreams? You, you wake up and you go, that was just the weirdest dream ever. Well, I, I had one. Um, it was it was Thursday. Actually, it was Friday morning. And uh, and I woke up and I was like, that was just a weird dream. I, I, I got to tell you the dream, okay? I, my dream was this, is I went to get a haircut. And and it, it, my wife always says the craziest things happen to me when I get, get, go to get haircuts. And they do. I mean, weird things happen to me, just weird stuff. And so I don't know, I don't know how all these things just try to recreate themselves inside of a dream. And some of you guys are masters at this. Some of you who think this is a prophetic dream, you're wrong. So don't even go there. This is weird. This is a weird dream. Okay. It's a weird one. But, but uh, I was, I was getting my hair cut and I just told the lady, you know, to cut my hair, whatever, whatever. And I took my glasses off and laid them down like I normally would. I yeah, got to understand. I'm like, I, I can't see anything if my glasses aren't on. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's just like, they're just a blur, just a blob there. So they're cutting my hair, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, how does it look? Like, well, I don't really know. We have to do the glasses things or all sometimes, a lot of times I will just say, I just trust you. I just trust you. I just want to zone out. I just trust you. And that was, that's what I was doing this time. So the girl finished with my hair and, and she says, what do you think? And I turned to the mayor. I was like, well, I can't see. I got to put up my glasses on. So I, she gave me my glasses and I put them on. I gasped. I mean, <laughs> because <laughs> the haircut actually made my hair longer. Uh, my, my hair was light brown. It was puffy and it was fluffy. It was over my ears and down to my shoulders. And I looked at it and I just said, I did not ask for David Cassidy hair. My wife is going to kill me. <laughs> That's what I looked like in the mirror. If you guys remember David Cassidy, he was from the Partridge family, uh, actor, musician in the 70s. Well, he was big in my day. We all wanted David Cassidy here, but I, I, was, I, was, I was looking at myself and I said, my wife is going to kill me. And the manager comes over. And, and I don't understand why. Like the hair, the, the, the hair shop managers always come and talk to me. And here, here the manager goes, oh, no, your wife is going to love this. I said, I don't think so. Oh, we'll take some pictures. And so, and so the lady gets, the girl who's cutting my hair starts taking pictures. I mean, she's like down on the floor getting these angles and stuff and taking all these pictures with my phone to send to my wife. It was, it was terrible. And, and I was overwhelmed with, with stress. And then I woke up. 
That, that means, my goodness, that is a nightmare. I explained it to, to Rebecca as soon as I woke up, and she actually she was thinking I was like telling another real story from my hair, hair. So it was kind of funny. But but here here's the deal with this. Sometimes this is kind of like things in our life. Uh, sometimes our expectations are the opposite of the outcomes. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? Thank God that Tim does not have David Cassidy hair. It was only a dream. But stuff like that tends to happen to us a lot of times. In fact, a lot of times you'll expect God for something and it doesn't happen. Or sometimes like it seems like the exact opposite happens, right? We're going to dive into this today. I think this is something we need to talk about because this is something that happens. Uh, what does the Bible have to say about this? Well, the title of today's message is entitled, it is Greater Expectations. And here's my challenge. I'm just going to give you my challenge for the day right off the back. Here it is. Here it is. Advance your expectations from great to greater. My sixth grade uh, homeroom teacher, her name was Mrs. Smith. She read us a little book and she read it just like in little pieces over several, several weeks. And it was Charles Dickens' great book, his novel, Great Expectations. If you guys, I'm not, everybody's read it. Come on, you all have. I, I also had to read it again in English literature class in 10th grade. And, and most of you know that, uh, that, that it's a really interesting story because it's a story of extreme poverty, uh, a graveyard, the, a, 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 a ship where, where, where people are in prison, chains of, of imprisonment. There, there are these hopeless fights for the death that happen in this story. It's a dark story. The images uh, from, from our nightmares are kind of like what we see in this story. And, and, uh, and, and a lot of things that are in this story are actually kind of like grim realities of what life is really like sometimes. But in this story, the good eventually triumphs over the evil. The central character, who, does anyone know the central character's name? His name is Pip. That's right. That's right. I never liked the name. I thought it was just the weirdest name until recently. I was like, I was reading it again. It said Philip, but he couldn't say it, so it was Pip. So, okay, now I feel a little bit better about it. But he's a seven-year-old orphan who is being raised by his abusive older sister. Uh, Pip was a social outcast. He... Uh, his life was was kind of like intersected by this uh, mystery benefactor. He didn't really know who it was, but it was this person who took care of him from a distance for all of his life and, and funded his, his education and everything until he was able to actually turn his fortune around. Every, he, everything was going bad and it eventually slowly came out good. Um, and, and, but, but see, Pip's, his own existence reproached him. Nothing ever seemed to go right in his life. In the book, there's one quote, which I think is interesting. He says this, I was always treated as if I had insisted on being born in opposition to the dictates of reason, religion, and morality. Like, my life is a mess. Yet in the midst of his ups and downs, Pip had this great expectation of a life of legacy. And he did overcome anxiety and insecurity and chronic unease and weariness. And I love this story because in this story, we can all tend to find ourselves somewhere in the narrative. And good stories are like that. Uh, you know, it, it leaves you with this hope that you too can have great expectations. But the problem is, Pip is fiction. And... Uh, what happened in Great Expectations 
was not real. So how can we have great expectations? <laughs> In fact, what happens even when your great expectations are still not enough? Okay, to figure this out, let's take a look in the Bible. I had you turn to Mark chapter number 9, verse 14. Get it ready. I want to introduce you to some of the real characters. These are now real people. All of them had great expectations. Um, and, and we're going to see what happens to them when they realize that their great expectations were simply not enough. And another thing I want you to do is I want you to find yourself somewhere in the story. Here are the characters. Uh, first of all, there are Jesus' disciples. They were trying to bring deliverance to a demon-possessed boy. They had great expectations, but they lacked prayer and they lacked faith, and it didn't happen. Uh, there's also another group uh, of people which is just known as the large crowd. And there's this crowd that's always chasing after the, the latest religious show. They've just got to see the latest thing. And then, then you also have another, uh, other characters here. These are these religiously zealous teachers of the law. And what they love to do is argue about how God works. <laughs> and then you have the boy, the boy who needed deliverance. Another character was the dad who had great expectations for deliverance, but he lacked true faith. And then there's Jesus. Here's the setting. Uh, Jesus had been away with three of his disciples, Matt, uh, Peter, James, and John, and they had been up on a mountain where they had just experienced the power and the glory of God. It was known as the transfiguration. They were on this spiritual high, and they came down from the mountain to meet up with the other nine disciples that were waiting down below. And we pick up the story in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and their teachers of the law arguing with them. Now, first of all, let's talk about the arguing people. Religious people love to argue about things that don't really matter very much in daily life. Don't be like that. I stay away from people like that. If you are, you know, sometimes I've, I've, you know, a long time ago when we were real small, I would go, I would go into the coffee shop and study and people find out I was a pastor and they want to come down and argue with me about religion. It's like, go away, you know, go away. It's like, what are you doing with your life? And, and I would say, well, how are you using this in your life? Oh, well, I'm not using it. So you're arguing and you're criticizing and you have a critical spirit and you're not doing anything for God. Get a life, you know. Really, I, I do say that. I really do. I really do. Because I just like, that exasperates me. I can't believe how people like to argue about things they don't even do. So, and, and the thing is, you know, they just kind of want to suck you into this argument. Uh, and, and it never builds your faith. It kills your faith. And it sucks faith out of you. That's what was happening in that setting. Uh, these are the folks that give Christianity a bad name. <laughs> they're, they're called the religious critics in a sense. And the crowds, well, the crowds, the crowds, the crowds are just the people that like to enjoy watching the latest religious show, okay? Okay, back to the scripture. We're, we're, we're catching these characters really well. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. That's the crowd. And they ran to meet him. And Jesus said, what are you arguing with them about? Again, the crowd was wanting to go to the latest cool church event. And so they're like, oh, like, here it is. And of course, the crowd also scatters whenever the show is over. And they tend to be critical during the show too. Don't be one of them. 
Don't be the religious critic. Don't be the crowd. Okay, now, now let's keep reading. It says, but a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Okay, so here's the man who came with great expectations. He brought his son that he loved dearly to the disciples to be delivered from this demon. But his great expectations were dashed. The disciples couldn't drive out the demon, okay? Jesus goes on to say, look at it. He says, you unbelieving, it's an important word, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. You're sensing almost a little bit of attitude here. It's just like going, really? This is great. Okay, so, so, but this is our first clue into what was happening that was wrong here because Jesus uses the word unbelieving. In other words, they lacked faith. Catch this. They were doing the right things, bringing the child for deliverance, a lot of times we do the right things. We go to church, we may give, you may serve, but there's not faith involved and you're wondering why the results aren't there. So Jesus spoke this also, as he said, you unbelieving generation, he spoke this to the crowd. He spoke it to the, to the, uh, to the spectators. He spoke it to the religious critics. He spoke it to the disciples. He even spoke it to the dad. So Jesus then asked the boy to be brought to him. Pick up the story in the next verse. It says, so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell on the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Now this was a very ugly sight. If you've ever seen anything like this, you know, it, it's like, wow, you know, there really are demon spirits. Trust me, that is very, very real in today's world right here in the city. See, demons hate the presence of God and hell always will try though to create create fear and distraction from God by stirring up something like that. And that's, that's how the enemy works. Okay, keep looking, keep looking. Look at the next scripture. Says, the next verse, it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Well, from childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Now look closely at the next verse. But, dad says, if you can do anything... If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Uh, if you can, said Jesus, if you can, did you just say that to me? Did you see what Jesus did? Did you just say, did you, did you just say, if you can, she <laughs> says, everyone, everything is possible for the one who believes. Okay. Now here's another one of the clues here that the man had great expectations, but he really needed greater expectations and he got a reaction out of Jesus. If you can almost mocking the guy. Jesus then says one of his most quoted statements ever, which is this, everything is possible for the person who believes. Key words, everything is possible for him who what? Believes. And then immediately, <laughs> I love this. 
I love this. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe and help me overcome my unbelief. Now, now that right there is his step over the line into greater expectations. See, he embraced deeper faith and he asked Jesus for even more faith to overcome any potential unbelief that was there that he may not even see. Now that, my friend, is a great attitude to have. This then turned the situation around, okay? Now keep in mind, the faith setup is there. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, okay, now, so he sees the crowd coming. <laughs> it's like, I don't want them around because they're filled with unbelief themselves, and this is gonna, this is gonna all of a sudden go backwards. Again, you don't wanna be hanging around a bunch of unbelieving people, all right? Whenever you're wanting a miracle, you get around some people who believe, like, just, just really believe crazy stuff, all right? When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed him and violently came up, came out. I love it because Jesus wasn't into religious shows either. He just wanted to get the job done. <laughs> and the beautiful thing is the boy was set free. But by this time, the crowd had arrived and... The crowd, in them, they always have the naysayers, and the naysayers love to believe the worst. They look at something, they glance at something, they like to believe the worst. Here it is. They says, well, the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, well, he's dead. Like, okay, great. Jesus killed him. <laughs> we knew it. We knew it. You were a crazy man. You killed the boy. But then Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. See, crowd people love to judge and criticize what they don't understand. Again, don't be a crowd person. But the story isn't over. Take a look at the next verse. It says, after Jesus had gone indoors, and he's away from everyone, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? So now, you see, that the, one of the challenges was the man had to have greater expectation. He had to increase his faith. But the disciples had a different problem. <laughs> Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer. Jesus was letting them know that prayer was their key. So that tells me, obviously, the disciples were prayerless. See, guys, prayerlessness is powerlessness. I don't care how religious you are, prayerlessness is powerlessness. A key for the dad was greater expectations. The key for the leaders was prayer. But I believe both are important for us today because prayer and massive faith will revolutionize your situations, and I believe it with all my heart. So here's my challenge. Advance your expectations from great to greater. It's time to pray and not give up. Pray and believe for that miracle. Ask God to help you with your unbelief and stop being part of the crowd and certainly don't be a religious critic. Pray, believe. Hey, God himself lives inside of you. Did you know that? John says this. He says, the one who lives in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Who's the one who's in you? It's the Holy Spirit of God. My mom would occasionally buy me uh, sheet music when I was a kid, and she would 
play it on the piano, play the music on the piano when I would sing in church. I, you know, I always loved, I, I believe that the, the children, uh, they, they need to be released into their destinies, even as children. That's how we, that's how serious we take our children's ministry and why we even allow children up here on the platform from time to time. But, uh, but my, they, my mom would put me up on the platform and when I was seven years old, mom found this song, it was called Greater Is He Who Is In Me. I loved it. Is it greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world? And I would sing it. It was the most challenging vocal song that, you know, vocally that I had ever sung, but I mastered it. I remember working so hard on it at home. I memorized it, mastered it, and I sang boldly. I stood on the platform at First Assembly of God in Hobbs, New Mexico, and I sang it out. And I loved it because even as I, as I sang it, I, my, my dad talked to me about it because I said, well, explain it to me, dad. And, and he, he showed me the scripture basis for the song. And, and in reality, the song and the scripture behind it was really a life changer for me because at the age of seven, I began to realize that the God that was inside of me was more powerful than anything else in the world. That wherever Timmy went, wherever little Timmy went, he was carrying God with him and the devil had better watch out. Not because of me, but because of God. <laughs> greater. I, I, I sang the song, I remember, at least three times in church, in various services, and uh, then I quit singing it. Uh, the reason I quit singing it, really, I, I don't, it, it was kind of weird. Do you want to hear the reason why I quit singing it? Yeah, okay, well, this is just for fun. Well, I quit singing it one day because something horrible happened on a Sunday morning as I was getting ready for church. At our house on Sunday mornings, we would watch two television shows getting ready for church. One was called Rex Humbard, and it was at the Cathedral of Tomorrow in Akron, Ohio. You know, it was a big deal. Dun, 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 dun. Old people remember that. Okay, and, and then the, the show right after that was Oral Roberts from ORU in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and big prayer hands, you know, and I was so excited about that but that morning I was and I would get dressed in front of the TV I loved watching those guys and the Oral Roberts show started and out came his son Richard Roberts and my world crumbled and I looked it up and I found it online this is what little Timmy saw when he was seven years old take a look That's Richard. My heart is breaking. That is my song, Richard. And who's that girl singing with him? And I was thinking, I can sing it better than them. And they get to be on TV, and this is wrong. Tears filled my eyes. I remember it. Like, stop singing, Richard. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, just stop the tape. Stop it now because it still bothers me to this day. And I thought it was going to be a one-time thing, but no, they made that their theme song. I never sang that song again. In fact, I didn't even like Richard Roberts after that moment. Yeah, I, I, I had the beginnings of the potential of being a religious critic right there. It all kind of started. Uh, but, but, the, but thank God I got delivered from that. And uh, <laughs> The truth remains, though, even though it's a 
classic Christian Richard Roberts song that was first sung by Timmy Woody. I still stand by that. My wife says, no, it was probably sung by them first. I was like, it was not. It was not. I watched them every week. But the truth is, the word of God is still true. And I'll never forget this, is that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is in you? It's God, the Holy Spirit, and he is greater. He is more powerful than any force of hell and darkness in this world. The God of the universe lives and abides in you. Don't ever underestimate his power. He is greater. Therefore, you can have greater expectations. Expect, pray, believe. You know, prayerlessness and lack of faith, it will always minimize the power of God that's already in you, that's available to you. So that's why I want you to increase your expectations. I want you to have greater expectations. Expect, believe, and pray, repeat. Do it again. Expect, believe, pray, repeat. I'm sure some things may not have turned out the way you expected, but, but maybe it's time to change then the way you expect. Not just doing the religious thing, but just get out there. During the time of the prophet Jeremiah, God's people were taken away from, they were taken away to a very dark place that they'd been dragged away into captivity. Things were not looking good at all. It was a bad situation. Uh, But in the middle of this dark place, God spoke these words. They're recorded in the book of Jeremiah, chapter chapter number 29, verse 11. And these are words that God just might be speaking to you today. And here it is. You might be in a dark place as well. You might have felt like God God is just against you because everything you've prayed for has just gone the opposite way. But God just may be speaking this to you today. Listen, God said to his people, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you not abandon you, plans to give you the future that you hope for. Now that, my friend, is reassuring because it may look grim and it may seem like you're all alone in your misery, but God has plans for you. But the good thing is there's more to it than just that verse. Take a look at verse 12 and 13. It says, Jesus said, God said this. He said, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, catch this, when you pray to me, I'll listen. And when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get, and I love it, they're all whens, when, when. It's not if. It's, no, it's not an if, okay? It's not if you can. It's like when you do it. When you don't, don't, we need to drop the ifs if you do this. No, when you do it. When means I, ex- I expect it's gonna happen. And I say that to you, when, when, when. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I will make sure you won't be disappointed. Are you ready to raise your level of expectation that high? And I like how it ends, God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. Yeah. That's what God wants for you. Now, wait, it's kind of interesting. All of a sudden, we're back to this prayer thing again. The key to enacting God's plans is found in passionate, serious prayer. So how do we engage in God's plans for our life? How do we increase our expectation to line up with God's strategy, God's plans? Well, you know what? We pray like crazy. We have greater expectation, and we have greater faith, and we don't give up. With prayer and faith, you, like Paul, can declare this. You can say, I can do all things. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Greater prayers, greater faith, greater strength. God is just waiting to pour himself out on you. So what are you waiting for? Advance your expectations and go from great to greater. Stop settling for less. 
If things didn't turn out the way you felt God promised, then why are you just sitting there? Keep praying. Keep increasing your faith. Sure, you might think, well, it just feels weird to do so because I'm on, I believe this thing. Well, I just kind of pray once and forget it. Well, if the dad would have done that, his son would have died demon-possessed. You see that? No, no, no. It might feel weird to do so. It might feel weird to speak up and, and want more. But it's the right thing to do. You know, when, when Mary uh, the, was, ha, had the Son of God, Jesus, placed in her womb, she didn't really understand what was going on. And truth is, that was weird. And it didn't make sense. And Mary couldn't figure it out. But the angel said this to Mary. The angel said, with God... Nothing is or ever shall be impossible. Come on. I want you to say that one with me. Come on, say that with me. With God, nothing is or ever shall be impossible. Nothing's impossible. Nothing will ever be impossible. That means impossibilities don't exist. You need to remove that from your dictionary. My pastor and boss about 25 years ago uh, led this. I was a staff pastor, led us in, in an exercise. He told us we all needed to bring our paper dictionaries in. That's when dictionaries were in paper. Some of you don't even know what that means, but it was a, it was a dictionary that was in paper. And, and he said, I want everybody to bring a razor knife. And so I brought a razor knife and we all brought, it was like, okay, what, what's going on here? You see what was happening around the church at that time, things were really tough. Um, we didn't know whether we were going to get paid. We didn't know if the air conditioners were going out in the building. We, it was, it was a bad time. It was a tough time. Uh, we were, we were buying church supplies out of our own pockets and wouldn't tell anybody in the church. We just did it. We just did it. And, and uh, there was a lot of grumbling and complaining, you know, people, the crowd. But this new boss came around. He read us this scripture. And he told us that we needed to literally cut the word impossible out of our paper dictionary. And it was an exercise that made a profound impact on me personally. After that, one of the other staff pastors created these little plaques that we all put on our desk that says, the impossible does not exist. And I want to tell you, my friend, it took a while for things to get churning again. But when we began to walk out of that very, very dark place, and it changed my outlook so much, and I still live by that today. Because it doesn't matter how bad things look. You know what? I was just going to keep looking up, keep praying, keep believing, keep serving with a servant's heart, even though I didn't feel like it. And there are times when, when things may have been very, very dark for you also. You may be in a dark spot right now, but my encouragement is to advance your expectations. It's time to start, stop just believing for great things. You need to believe for greater things. When God put it on my heart to resign the, the large church that I was pastoring in the Kansas City area about 10 years ago, um, with this very strong impression that I was supposed to go, go south and come back home to this area and start something new in the heart of a large city, I obeyed God. I did. My expectations were great. I was praying and I was believing, but I got down here and thing I didn't have then any revelation or clarity on next steps. And I started to walk through a very dark valley then in 2009. And, and I was like, what is going on? I mean, I thought I'd heard from God and everything seems to be going wrong now, emotionally and financially, uh, occupationally. I was losing people that I thought were my friends and I found myself almost friendless. And, 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 and this was a time that was very, very, very dark for me. But I'd stepped out in faith and I kept calling out to God. Did, did I, I mean, did I miss God? Was I really supposed to start something new in the heart of a large southern city? I mean, what city? When? How? I felt depleted and I was depressed. There was no revelation sign that the future was there. But I kept praying. I kept believing 
even though I didn't feel like it. But in 2001, I sat in a stool right here with a few people on some cushy sofa chairs and a little semicircle, and the future was being made. And the only way this struggling tiny church could survive was with massive prayer, significant financial gifts from friends of mine and their, their churches, and a lot of hard work and diligence, a lot of hard work and diligence. And we had to have a church government system that had to operate outside the, the ministry simply because we didn't have the infrastructure to do it. I mean, most of the people who came here didn't even know if they liked God. It was, it was, that's, that's how we started off. People would say, I, you know, it was, the question was, I make a joke about this, but it was very much reality. People would walk in the door and say, hey, do you kind of like, like God? Like, well, yeah. Okay, good, you're a leader. I mean, that, that was pretty much the way it was. We slowly began to grow, and we made our mark, and City Life is here to stay. And uh, as we turn this corner on this new year, we're now, for the first time this year, we're now financially independent. No longer is anyone supporting us from the outside. Our government system is changing. We're soon going to have our own elders and board. The church property is going to be rolled over into our name, and that is a big stinking deal to me, all right? It's a big deal. We're, we're going to be self-governed, <laughs> sovereign. We'll be launching a third service, the new service time's up there. You know, what the crowd gawked at and what my religious critics scorned is now happening, thank God. All this is going to be launching on February 10, and that's going to be a day to celebrate. That's going to be a day to invite people because what, hear, hear me well, though, it's more than just a big day for a church. What God does in the church, God also does in your house. What God does in this house, he will do for your house. Prayer and Greater expectations have brought us thus far, and prayer and greater expectations will take us to the next level. So are you in? Are you in? It's time we move past our own great expectations and and stop saying, well, God, if you can, (laughs) because God says, no, I want you to move to greater expectations. Jesus is looking at you right now saying, what? If you can? Mocking you in your own voice. If you can. (laughs) I wonder if he used that guy's voice. If you can, well. What do you mean, if you can? (laughs) Believe. Everything is possible for him who believes. You can do all things through him who gives you strength. With God, nothing is impossible. Greater is he who lives in you than he who is in the world. Advance your expectations from great to greater. This church is on the verge of a breakthrough. This city is on the verge of a breakthrough also. God put us here for a reason. And your life is on the verge of a breakthrough. And your family as well. So will you pray? Will you believe? And if so, your best is yet to come. Expect it greater than ever before. I'd like for there to be no movement in the room right now. No movement in this room right now. I'd like everybody just to close your eyes and focus internally. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And you possibly have even drifted far from God, but you found yourself here in this place and you want restored or you want new relationship with Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. The way to do that will be just by lifting your hand in just a moment. That way I will connect my faith with yours when I see your hand and we're going to pray and we're going to believe for the miracle of regeneration, the miracle of new birth. And 
and your old life is gone, all things will be passed away and everything becomes new in your life. If that's what you want, at the count of three, lift your hand up. And if it's time for you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, lift your hand for me because I want to join my faith with you. One, two, three, lift your hand for me. Lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. Uh, if you lifted your hands, I want you to pray this. And, and, and everybody in here, believers, I want you to pray it as an encouragement to those who are praying around you. Come on, will you do this? Let's pray, pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for new life in Jesus today. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the Launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.